Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Wrestling With Memories. I am your host Fash and as ever I'm joined by my co-host Wax, the brain Hussein. How are you doing Wax? I'm doing very well, thank you Fash. How are you? I'm good. It's been, a, it's been a big week. I mean, this is the week of Stone Cold Steve Austin, if you're following the WWE Network. Um, uh, Zack Snyder uh, released the Snyder Cut of the Justice League, which some of our audience might be excited about. And I'm also hearing you've um, resigned from your job to become a full-time podcaster. Is this true? That's the news in the dirt sheets. It's only half true. It's typical of Dave Meltzer doesn't report the full story. Fash, Fuck but, Dave uh, Meltzer, as they say. That's it. Um, I have uh, resigned from my job. Uh, I'm starting a new job. but in the Resigned end, or pushed? Well... Is this one of those uh, ultimate warrior resignations? Depends which, uh, depends who's looking at it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I've got some time in between Fash, so we're going to crank out the content over the next few weeks. Well, um, some of us and- still have a day job. We're going to try... Um, you're a man of leisure for the next few weeks but uh, yeah we're going to try to do as much as we can guys we're coming into some really exciting periods moving into 1982 soon which is a year that I think various people love so yeah we're going to try to up our content in the coming weeks if we can Um, I'll just end this by saying I think Wax screwed Wax but actually he's on to onwards and upwards for him and on to uh, bigger things but we're going to talk about the thing that brings us both together each week this podcast and we're still hitting some beats from late 1991, we're going to try to close off the year and actually going into Survivor Series and a new pay-per-view, a one-off Tuesday in Texas. There was various talking points coming out of SummerSlam in the kind of three, four months leading up into these events. Yep, and this actually, when we did, were discussing, you know, how we were going to do the show, we thought about 91 as maybe just a, a very brief yeah. intro and it will move straight into 92. But the more we've been looking at 91, actually, it was a very interesting year and there was lots happening. Uh, and actually, the our one of our favourite angles of all time is the one that we're going to be discussing very soon. Yeah, absolutely. It's similar to self. I thought this would be a couple of episodes. They start digging into it, and I've been watching various superstars, prime time wrestling, wrestling challenge, wherever I can find. And there was just so many interesting things going on here, and and interesting characters. Um, and as you see, we're going to cover a big angle. We're going to cover Jake the Snake Roberts and the Macho Man. I think this is something that everyone will remember, or if not, as soon as we start talking about it, it will click in their brain because it is so historic and was very unique. But uh, if I can do so, I'm going to kick off with where we left things, and that was the end of SummerSlam. So at that point, Hulk Hogan's finally ended his feud with Sergeant Slaughter, and um, the Ultimate Warrior has left for now. Um, so his feud with Jake the Snake Roberts won't progress. Um, but what happened was that in the wedding reception of the Matchman and Elizabeth, Jake the Snake Roberts and the Undertaker turned up um, with a present of a snake, uh, created some chaos, said justice made the save, and this essentially set up the coming months. Um, equal to that, we've already talked about Ric Flair joining the WWF and he'd made his debut on Primetime Wrestling in September, early September. So there was various things going on. Um, but I guess I want to talk about the Sid stuff first because I felt that they were really positioning Sid versus Jake the Snake Roberts and The Undertaker at this point. And actually, that's what the, the key beats were over the next few months. They were really pushing this feud on television, and one of the main matches for Survivor Series was going to be Sid, the LOD, the Big Boss Man versus the Natural Disasters, IRS, and Jake the Snake Roberts. So we had both of these guys captaining opposite teams. And you Fash, can also before you continue, I've got one question for you. Uh, what's your fascination with uh, Sid Justice? Because um, I've noted over the years that actually you're, you're probably one of Sid's biggest fans. 
You know what? He gets a lot of uh, criticism. Um, he wasn't the best worker in the world. Um, his softball stories are known from all. But I think, you know, he at that time just encapsulated the larger-than-life characters. The way he acted, the way he'd shout. I think he was the first guy to do the powerbomb yeah. on WDF television. I could be wrong. But it's just the fact that, you know, when he was a baby facer, he, he kept you interested and invested even though he wasn't the the greatest worker and um you know he had his moments i'm not saying he was one of the greats or anything but i find this whole period really interesting because there's so many changes and here they try to position him as a big baby face um but it's not going to last long um but yeah i'm not i'm not i'm a i'm a said uh, loyalist i've got to say when it comes to these big characters i know you're not a not a fan and you Um, actually didn't want to talk about him at all I, I just, you know, it's not so much that I wasn't a fan. I, I did think he's got a great look and he's, you know, he had a lot of potential at this time. But um, Sid always just seemed to get injured or get in, uninterested in, in wrestling at the wrong times, especially when a big push was coming his way. Softball season. Yeah, but here it. right now, I think he was probably, you know, there's going to be two periods where he's going to be a big, big, big star. And here they were really pushing him as a babyface. And in his matches, you know, post SummerSlam, when he's taking on guys at Kato, Big bully music, um, you know he's getting huge pops. So he has been positioned as this secondary babyface behind Hulk Hogan, given the Ultimate Warrior's gone. Um, but you know what? I'd like people to actually look up online when it comes to this whole Jake Roberts, um, Sid angle is a match on Superstars. They hype it up as Sid versus a newcomer called El Diablo. Do you remember El Diablo at all, Wax? You know, I don't remember him that well. Um... I, I've obviously seen him, but I just don't remember anything other than this one outing. Well, that's because El Diablo was a phony. Um, essentially, they hyped this matchup for superstars. It was supposed to be a job guy called El Diablo versus Sid. Um, so El Diablo comes out, Sid comes out, but then you hear the Undertaker's music and he and Paul Bear come out with a briefcase. Um, they offer El Diablo some money. He takes the briefcase, goes to the back. So now there's this big face-to-face between Sid and The Undertaker, and you think, oh, this big match is going to happen. They've been hyping up this kind of feud between Sid and, you know, Jake and The Undertaker, but just as they're about to go, El Diablo returns, and he attacks Sid alongside The Undertaker, and he then takes off his mask, and it's Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, What they do is they give him a bit of a beating, and they tie him up, and they bring out the King Cobra, so interestingly, you're going to talk about an angle which is more famous. Here, it looked as if they were going to get the snake to bite him. But then, of all people, Hacksaw Jim Duggan turns up and <laughs> makes the save. Now, you've got Randy Savage on commentary here. And he's talking about how he wants to help. He wants to repay the favor to Sid, but he can't because the storyline is he wants to be reinstated, but he has to watch his behavior because he's a commentator. So he doesn't do anything. And, you know, this is the next chapter then of hyping up this I guess, secondary main event for Survivor Series. But what's going to happen is um, in a house show match, Sid is going to injure himself. He's going to injure his bicep. And then in November, we get the news that Sid is actually out of the Survivor Series. So he's no longer going to be a part of it. This essentially, you know, stops his momentum to a large degree because he's not going to be back um, until the Royal Rumble. And one of the final kind of segments is he's, uh, you know, cutting a promo uh, and he says that he thinks that the macho man should be reinstated and he should be put in that team now. Um, So you can see that, you know, there was this big kind of plan for this big feud, but injury got in the way. And I guess what I find quite interesting is anytime Jake the Snake's trying to start a feud here, something happens. So it started off with Jake Warrior 
warrior leaves. Then it's supposed to be Jake Sid, and the match one very much is not going to be in ring competition. But then Sid's injured, so now you're like, what does Jake do next? Um, so do we see Randy Savage back in in the mix, and is this a way to bring him back? But certainly that was the kind of one of the big storylines coming out of the event, but it didn't transpire at Survivor Series. And indeed, you know, that feud between Sid, The Undertaker and Jake Roberts, we won't really see it come to a conclusion because of this injury. So I don't know if you've got any, I guess, memories of, of the kind of hype towards Survivor Series. Do you even remember Sid being positioned going into this or was it something which was just came back to you somewhere to well, because, you know, years later? Yeah, exactly. So I've always thought of this time period as it being Jake versus Macho Man. Exactly. And it was only going back and seeing the wedding reception video that we talked about last time and ending with Sid Vicious, Sid Justice even um, protecting Elizabeth. Uh, and then the, the few weeks after that, he's positioned as a, as a guy that's going to be taking on Jake. That obviously, we didn't really watch on a weekly basis so we would exactly. never have spotted that we just seen the, the main bits between the Macho Man and Jake the Snake Roberts and it's interesting um, how wrestling plays out because had Sid not got injured over this period and he's taken on Undertaker and Jake his position going forward into the new year would have been very different it's very unlikely I think that they would have transitioned from that straight into Rumble 92 and what they did for, for WrestleMania well, that's the thing isn't it and we'll dig into this more as we cover these events and weeks you know, post this, but it does feel like, you know, one move changes everything. Um, you could take this as far as you want because, you know, in that terms of that feud, does he feud with Jake and then does he move on to The Undertaker? Um, does Undertaker face Sid at WrestleMania? Does Sid defeat him but in some way and there's no streak? There's just so many ways you can go down. Um, but yeah, this essentially, this injury creates a situation for other people but what it does mean is that this big baby face push of SIDS has come to a grinding halt at this point I guess another thing coming out of it as we mentioned Ric Flair you know he'd come on primetime wrestling he mentioned Roddy Piper you know he spat on his title before he turned up the real world's championship he mentioned Hulk Hogan but there was an angle there as well which I know you're keen to talk about yeah, so obviously revisit our archives where we did the full Ric Flair coming to the WWF episode um, in which we cover the the, the funeral parlour uh, segment where Roddy Piper grabs the real world champion belt uh, and spits on it, <clears throat> much to the chagrin of um, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, and then obviously the, the Nature Boy makes his uh, debut for the WWF. And I think it's his first outing to the ring on a superstars event. Yeah. Um, he's coming out for a, a match against some jobber that nobody will remember. Um, I've forgotten his name already. <clears throat> but on his way, um, he passes the announcer's desk uh, where Rick, uh, sorry, where Roddy Piper is obviously sitting and doing the, the commentating for, for the show. Um, he comes up behind Roddy Piper. Vince is uh, trying to keep um, Roddy calm, telling him not to turn around, not to do anything that he's going to regret. Um, Ric Flair shoves him a little. Roddy obviously is not going to take that from uh, the likes of Ric Flair. Um, and this then ensues a, a little bit of a brawl. Um, or not even a brawl because Ric Flair basically wipes him out with, uh, with the title the belt. Title belt. Uh, in the melee, I think he gets hit with... Uh, a, a few, a couple more shots. But in the melee, there's all these people coming out. Uh, Vince steps down from the announcer desk. Um, Roddy is a bit, you know, he doesn't know what's happening. 
as he's just been clocked with a title belt, grabs uh, a chair. And it's weird. I never remember these wooden chairs that they had back then. But It looked obviously... like a heavy wooden chair yeah. as well. Yeah. He took the wooden chair, swings it at the nearest person, uh, and lo and behold, it's actually Vince McMahon who takes the brunt of that chair shot. Um, and he's down and out. And Ric Flair, just to top it off, manages to get another couple of shots into to Roddy Piper. Uh, but was this Rick, was this Vince McMahon's first bump? Well, this is what I was going to say. This was his first bump on TV, wasn't it? And at this point, to most of the world, he's the ring announcer. Um, and, you know, so, and he took quite a shot and he sold it really well. And then I think it's a bit of a stretcher job as well. But yeah, I think this is Mr. McMahon's first bump on television since he'd been on, on air. So it's a historic moment in that sense. Um, but yeah, they played off really well in terms of, you know, the crowd. I mean, I think at times he used to pipe some of this crowd noise in and you can check out the angle on, on YouTube or, you know, wherever. But um, it's a big moment because they kind of showed, you know, Ric Flair's not someone you mess with. So it's a pretty good segment. Um, the fact that he wiped out both of them <laughs> in a way. And and yeah, as you say, he takes some more shots at Roddy Piper till Macho Man kind of gets in the way. But um, it was a big and, angle. Absolutely. And the fact that it was against Roddy Piper, who is actually one of these legends of the WWF uh, bygone era that maybe we, we don't talk about a lot, but he was that special that they wouldn't let him wrestle on the on TV that often because they didn't want to, to ruin his aura and appeal. And the fact that Ric Flair started off... Um, with Piper, not just because they were friends, but just made it mean a little bit more when he when he started um, in the WWF, and that would obviously lead into um, you know the Survivor Series that we're going to talk. Yeah, about. but see, I found this a little bit confusing this period because you've got Ric Flair in this kind of new feud with Piper, but he's still calling it Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan comes out in a segment in one of the superstars as well and acknowledges Ric Flair and says that yes, they need to have a match at some point to really determine who the real champion is. So they're kind of intertwining various things but you do see as you say the first feud for Ric Flair is Roddy Piper and I think it's Roddy Piper, Bret Hart, Virgil and who's the fourth member? British Bulldog against um, the team of Ric Flair, the Million Dollar Man, the Mountie and the Warlord. We just can't get rid of this Warlord British Bulldog feud. Um, so that was you know one of the big other big matches. One thing I will say here just in passing is I think you know Ric Flair aligning with other WWF superstars was maybe not the best route because this kind of whole outsider vibe went away. Yeah, very quickly. I like the fact that he was with Bobby Heenan. I like the fact that he was saying he's a real world champion, but now he had you know a team of guys for this event and they're saying, oh yeah, he's a real world champion as well. I just felt that they could have kept that outsider thing going a little bit more. But um, you know, moving into this, um, Mr. Perfect's going to get added as well. So in, in a segment where the teams are, you know, cutting the promos. Ric Flair also announces that Mr. Perfect is part of his team now as well as his executive consultant. So I thought that was a really good mix. Um, and obviously it's going to lead to quite a lot, but I don't know. I just felt like they could have maybe played the outsider thing a little bit more. At it's interesting point. you mentioned that it was, a, it was a little bit confused, that whole between Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Um, because Maybe they weren't sure which direction they were going to go post-Survivor Series. Um, and obviously they weren't quite certain at this point what they wanted to do for WrestleMania, um, mm. which is obviously the biggest event. Naturally, you would think at this point it would be Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Um, 
Yeah, you think that the, the way they're setting up, it felt as if, okay, Ric Flair is going to get past Roddy Piper. And as you mentioned, the main event that they announced for Survivor Series is the Undertaker, undefeated Undertaker against Hulk Hogan in the, the gravest challenge. But even when Hulk Hogan's cutting promos, it's more like, you know, I'm going to get past the Undertaker and I'm going to get to you, Ric Flair. So it felt as if, you know, these were just foods that were placed there and we're going to get to this end point. And, and actually there's the segment. I mean, interestingly, there's not much interaction between the Undertaker and Hulk Hogan leading into Survivor Series. Um, it's a lot of promos being cut, but then there's a segment on the funeral parlor where actually they finally have a, a face-to-face. Um, and that was quite an interesting one, if you remember it. I do. Um, and, you know, the first thing that I, I thought when I was watching that is, don't these baby faces ever learn? Is <laughs> uh, a few months before this, and we talked about it in our archives, so please check it out. We talked about the Ultimate Warrior appearing on a funeral parlor uh, segment. An undertaker walking out of a of a coffin, a standing coffin behind them. Something similar happens here. Um, we've got Hulk Hogan, um, who comes out, uh, followed by Ric Flair, and they're you know having a go at each other. Um, I think this is historic. I think you should open this up a little bit more because this is actually the first face to face between them um, since Ric Flair's came in, and I guess ever in terms. Yep. Of so of course, and we you know the importance of this, um, we shouldn't. Sort of yeah, down. Wax, don't, don't underplay the greatness of this moment. Well, I was giving them a, a brief summary before we would then talk about it in detail. I'm not going to let you uh, This is the audience wants more from you. Come on. That's absolutely fine. Well, if they want more, then uh, maybe I should start with Ric Flair's uh, beautiful green gown that he was wearing. Go um, for it. That's what the fans want to hear. Shimmering like the champion that he is. Um, it, was, it was a classic Ric Flair ro- robe um, that he was wearing. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a seminal moment in wrestling uh, folklore is Hulk Hogan against Ric Flair and it's the first time that they're mano a mano you know up against each other um, talking away on on the segment and Ric Flair obviously has his world real world championship belt Hulk Hogan has his WWF world title um, and it's it, it's set up as two world champions that are going to collide from two different backgrounds um, it's a real shame that it didn't play out that way uh, but there are, I think, reasons behind the scenes why why that happened. Yeah, and we'll get into those. But I thought on the, in this segment, Ric Flair totally owned Hogan in terms of the promo he cut. Um, yeah, I mean, this know. is a this is a Ric Flair who had cut his teeth week in week out doing these type of promos on WCW TV, and Hulk Hogan had a very specific type of promo that he would he would do. Um, but when it's one against one, you know, Ric Flair was always going to get the edge um, edge on that. And as, as that's happening, as you say, um, the Undertaker comes out of one of these coffins, very similar to as he did when the Ultimate Warrior segment happened. Now, to be fair to Hogan, I know he said the baby faces should know better. When he comes on to yeah, he, he does, does check <laughs> check around to see, and he's about to open that coffin door, but then uh, you see Ric Flair comes and kind of distracts him. Yep, and uh, obviously Undertaker wipes out um, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is uh, getting beat down by Ric Flair and Undertaker together until Roddy Piper, who's just sitting, you know, a few meters away on the announcer's desk, makes the save. Um, Randy Savage comes out as sorry, well, Sorry, Randy Savage yeah, as... Uh, yeah, but it's strange that Randy Savage actually isn't allowed to do anything, so if the, the heels were smart at that point, they would just <laughs> ignore him completely. But they're, yeah, they're, exactly. they're, they're very in very close proximity to each other, and, uh, you know, they've got the baby faces of a couple of wooden chairs with them as well to protect Hulk Hogan. Now, this is actually something I really remember from being a child, is the moment that, um, as part of the beatdown, Undertaker grabs um, 
Hulk Hogan's necklace, which is a, a cross, uh, a gold cross, a uh, gold crucifix. And uh, obviously he's holding it. Uh, and at this moment, Hulk Hogan is completely, you know, he's playing dead, basically, right? He's, he's, he's not moving. Um, the babyfaces arrive and they make uh, Undertaker drop the crucifix. And as soon as it lands on Hulk Hogan, the timing is perfect. His body starts to move as if, you know, it's, uh, it's granting him the Hulkamania power again. Uh, and actually, I remember that when I seen it again, I remember that immediately from, from my childhood. Well, see, that's really good because in the same time, I was thinking about the same segments. When I, I was, you know, the main thing I remember was that as well. Yeah. And that just shows you how some angles are so good that, you know, they stay with you. And there's a little, little bit there, as you say, when he drops it, you know, he's getting the power. But before that, they show Undertaker kind of holding it and as if his hand's burning and he kind of, you know, drops it. So they've done this kind of whole, you know, good versus evil, the Undertaker's darkness, but then you've got the, the Holy Cross. So they did these kind of, you know, really subtle things, but as you say, and then I think post that, you know, Hogan cuts a promo the next week saying how, you know, the cross landed on his chest and it gave him the power. So it was these little things that we do at times, which were, you know, very basic, but, you know, to this day, people remember these sort of storylines, but that then set up the fact that, you know, this is going to be a challenge like none other, because once again, up to this point, the Undertaker's been bulletproof. No one's been able to do anything. And I think the only time these two had an interaction was earlier in the year on a Saturday night's main event, I think in April, where the Warrior Undertaker feud had just started. And um, basically it's a match between Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter. Undertaker interferes and Hogan comes out to make the save and he hits the Undertaker with the belt, but there's no reaction from the Undertaker. And then Hogan basically, the coward he is, chases Slaughter and everybody out to the back <laughs> and leaves the Warrior Undertaker to it. But so, you know, up to this point, I don't think anybody had been booked better than the Undertaker. So you were going to this kind of really big match. Um, could, you know, Hulk Hogan overcome the Undertaker? And um, to add to it, the Undertaker and Paul Bear had created a special casket for the Immortal One as well. So it was, it was good. Like I said, they didn't have much interaction, but this angle a couple of weeks before Survive Series did kind of set things up really well. Right, peeps, that concludes our episode on the Road to Survivor Series. We really hope you enjoyed it. Look out for two episodes coming your way in the next week. One will be our review of the Survivor Series and this Tuesday in Texas, while the other will be a special on the Macho Man Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts feud, one of the most memorable and celebrated feuds in wrestling history. As ever, please subscribe to the channel and give us your feedback. We'll catch you on the other side.